Testing, testing, testing. Uh, I get to decide where I want my mic today. Can you test your mic and then decide? (laughs) All right. Hi, guys. I'm Marie. And I'm Maddie. And we are here recording Lost in the Woods. Welcome back. So this morning I decided to put up a little video of me and Maddie getting ready to record. And the video starts with Madison like growling and making this noise out in the hallway. I it is my least aggressive cat scare, which is just like this like gargle, like gargly, like get out of the way. But anyway, we're we're definitely in our sweatpants right now. Maddie's covered in dog hair, and we determined she hasn't brushed her hair in two days, which is fine. Um, yep. But we're posting that video on our Patreon. It's just a little short one of us setting up. So if you want to see what Maddie looks like in the morning, make sure you go check that out. Yeah, you also can see how I scare away our skittish cat without (laughs) actually giving him a stroke. Today we are covering the case of Grace Emmy Rose Mullane. She was a 21-year-old British tourist when she went missing while in New Zealand traveling on her gap year. She was born on December 2, 1996 in Brentwood, Essex, but lived in Wickford at the time of her disappearance. Her parents were Jillian and David, and she had two big brothers named Declan and Michael. She was an outgoing teen who loved music and hockey, and before she left on her trip, she donated her hair to the Princess Trust, which is an organization, nonprofit, that makes wigs for children who have lost their hair to cancer. And I've actually donated to that. It's different here. It's called Locks of Love here. On October 26, 2018, she traveled to South America and planned to spend time in Thailand, the Philippines, and Australia next. So she's just going all over the place. Mm -hmm. On November 20, she arrives in New Zealand and traveled to North Island city of Auckland. Here she stayed at a $10 a night base backpackers hostel on Queen Street. This was a popular place for backpackers because it was right in the center of the city. All right, $10 a night? Yeah, and I looked this up, and it's definitely not $10 a night now, but that's what was reported in articles initially when this case came out. It's a little more expensive now. Even for a non-private room, it's more expensive than that now, so I don't know. So Grace was last seen on Saturday, December 1st, which was the eve of her 22nd birthday. Oh, why does everyone go missing so close to their birthdays? I know. Okay, so on the Saturday evening, she had a date with a man that she met on Tinder. It was 26-year-old Jesse Kempson. So Tinder, I think online dating is huge, right? Especially when you're traveling or when you're spending a lot of time in other countries, it's a great way to meet people. Mm-hmm. But man, there have been a lot of people yes. who have gone missing or had things happen while on a date from a dating app. I'm not calling out Tinder specifically. Uh, but I think you can call it Tinder specifically. <laughs> specifically. Specifically. I think that yeah. you can call out Tinder. Well, and here's here's the issue, right? So you set up this date with this guy on Tinder. You are in a... You meet in a public place. You feel safe. And I think the app also provides like this extra sense of security, which is totally false. Well, because 
it can be totally false because you can enter like your place of work and all these things into it to make yourself seem more like a trustworthy, good, like ass person. Right. But there's no saying that you can't lie on this app. No, no, there is no saying you can't lie because definitely people do. And there's definitely, you can totally. It's Saturday night. Grace gets dressed up for her date. She leaves the base backpackers hostel at 537 p.m. And we know this because there is going to be a shit ton of CCTV footage that we are going to talk about in this case. I love when there's a lot of CCTV footage. I know. We had a lot in our last episode, too. And then I think in our next episode, there's, like, none. Nothing. Yeah. (laughs) So she is wearing a knee-length black dress, and she is clutching a small handbag. She pauses outside of her hotel. Is she clutching a clutch, or is it a small handbag? I don't fucking know the difference, so... A clutch doesn't have, like, a strap or anything. Then, yes, it's a clutch. It's a clutch. She's clutching a clutch. That sounds stupid. She has a clutch. That's all you need to say. She's carrying a clutch? That sounds ridiculous. Fine. Put it in a small <laughs> handbag. I don't give a shit. I'm just saying. There's... Actual... Why is it called... Cl- Why is it called... Yeah, okay. Because you I have to know. clutch it to carry it. You can't do I anything I know, but else. then is it just called a clutch? Now it all sounds wrong to me. So <laughs> I've I never t- heard anybody say, wow, look at that clutch. That, Dude, it just sounds wrong real? now. It sounds fucking wrong. Is that real? You guys, <laughs> what do I call a small purse in her hand? And how do I adequately describe that on a podcast where you can't see it? I don't know. I just... Okay. She... From Sex in the City, I just... I'm watching it as a child. I know the difference between the handbags and shit. Thank God. Or maybe it's America's Top Model. That's another... <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. She pauses outside of the hotel to take a picture of a Christmas tree, and she sends it to her family. And this would be the last message that she would ever send to her family. Meanwhile, Jesse is seen on CCTV footage downing four beers in a half hour before their date. I would literally, if I walked up to a date and he was already four beers in. I I mean, I guess the average man, especially if his size probably wouldn't be drunk, but still, you'd be able to smell that on them, I would think. You would think, especially if they got up to like give you a hug, which I feel like most guys do if they're Oh, he gives her a real fucking awkward hug. I'll show you the video of it. Oh, God. They meet at Sky City Complex, and they head up the escalator to Andy's Burger and Bar. They order cocktails at the bar and then head to a table. Now, we actually have footage, and I will post everything that I have or a link to everything I have. I don't know how I'm going to do it yet. I might put it all into one video. So and there's just that. a shit ton of CCTV footage. My mom's going to post the best of the best that come out of this case. And... <laughs> there's a ton, you guys. There is footage of them meeting at the Sky City Complex. And he almost like straight arm hugs her. Like he he kind of puts his arms around her, but like kind of keeps his arms straight at the same time. It's really, really awkward. Dude, I have, I have, no. No. I don't like, no, no, no. The arm, the just the... They're coming in for a hug like this. It's right, like in a weird way. It's a red flag. It's an immediate (laughs) red flag. If you're meeting someone for the first time, too, I think that a double armed bear hug is. So 
go and look at that. It's kind of a weird interaction to me and it could just be awkward because it's awkward. I don't really know, but that happens. So at 716, they leave and they head to a restaurant called the Mexican Cafe, which is less than a block away. Another hour and two jugs of margaritas and one of sangria, and they leave and head to the Bluestone Room, where he had been drinking earlier. So he yep. is just like down in the alcohol. Yep. Okay. And I assume she is as well. Right. Yes. I think it is a mutual drinking. Okay. So then hope I, I would assume that the date isn't going too bad since. No, she's... I think the date's going good so far. Yeah. I know. We watched a real awkward first date when we, the one when we were in California. Oh, and the yeah. girl spilled her entire white claw. First off, why are you drinking a white claw? At a restaurant. At a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> Second. No offense to anybody that mm, does that. Maybe a little offense. I may just judge you from a distance, but it's okay if you really like white claws. But she spilled like it was like a tall boy too. It was like a big one. She definitely spilled like the whole thing in her lap. It was a really awkward date. We really kind of stopped talking just so that we could pay attention to what they were doing. Oh, and we yeah. just kind of sat there with our phones out like we were ignoring each other for our phones. But really, we we're like messing each other back and forth about the date that's happening behind us. It's fine. No, it wasn't even behind us. It was next to us. Yeah. Where my mom could see the girl and I could see the guy from where we were both yeah. sitting. It was, it was pretty amazing. I would probably guess that they did not have a second date. I would very much assume. And they were both probably definitely on vacation too because we're in... Palm Springs. Yeah, we were in like or a at vacation least, area. At least one of them is on vacation right now and just yeah. had like a, just a shitty mm-hmm. date. And she got up and left the table before him. It was... Yeah. Okay, so then after this, it, Bluestone, they're at Bluestone Room and they order more drinks. And at 8.40, he puts his hand behind Grace's head and pulls it towards him and kisses her. Okay, over the next hour, they kiss multiple times. Then Grace takes her phone and sends her last message to her friend saying, I click with him so well. Uh... At one point, she gets up to go to the bathroom and he picks up her purse and goes through it. Cool. Cool, cool. Okay, (laughs) if I were to witness this, if I were to witness one person get up from a table... Oh, I would go follow her to the bathroom and be like, dude, just so you know, he just went through your purse. 100% 100% yeah. what I want. 100%. Can we all just make an agreement that we will look out for each other? And it goes both directions, right? Like if you see something crazy happening on a date or whenever, like maybe just give a heads up. Okay. So he actually leaves the table at 929. Exactly. Remember, we have CCTV footage. He goes to her Facebook where he leaves a message. He wrote, beautiful, very radiant, under an updated profile picture. Yep. And there are two separate accounts of this incident. And one account says that this incident occurred on the 5th after she went missing. But in trying to verify this information... It was noted in multiple places that this happened during their date, that he went to her Facebook and left that message. Still weird. Weird. It's weird. It's weird either way. It's weird either way. So he also makes a bit of a show when paying for all the drinks. Right. And I mean, obviously, I can't really tell what's going on. But when I look at the videos, like he seems to be like taking out his wallet and like just kind of like makes like a grand like almost gesture of it. Like he's not just like putting his card on the table or like putting his card on the bar. By the way, is much better. Be discreet about it. Yeah. 
100%. In my opinion. I agree. I rather... You want to make a big deal about it? I'll pay for drinks. Right. Exactly. That's how I feel too. 100%. Okay. He had also told Grace that he lived in a hotel because he was an offshore oil manager. Yeah. That's the best you could come up with, buddy. And (laughs) why does that make you live in a hotel? Because he travels a lot. So he's just trying to make himself sound like a big shot or like important. Just after 930, they leave the Bluestone. And then are seen walking arm in arm the short distance to the City High Hotel. And this is where he lives, by the way. They are seen in the lobby before heading to room 308. They enter the lift and you can kind of see him fumbling for his key card because when you get into the lift in order to go to your floor, you have to scan a key card. Which, brilliant. Yeah. I really like that. And this would be the last time that Grace is seen alive. That was at 9.30. By 1.30 a.m., Jesse searches the internet for things like hottest fire and Waitakere ranges. Why is he searching these things at 1.30 a.m.? Hold on, it gets worse. At 1.41 a.m., he then goes to Pornhub where he watches eight videos of hardcore porn. Six hours later, he searches large bags near me Rigor mortis, duffel bags with wheels, car hire, industrial strength cleaner, and flesh-eating birds. Okay, so I vote that there should be this thing that Google needs to do where if your search history looks a little something like this, the police show up at your door. They show up to your location. I would literally have the cops showing up here all the time. (laughs) <laughs> to search large bag near me in these things in order at two yeah. in the morning. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and say I don't like that. Any of it. I also want to make clear that in some places you will see that Grace is 21 and in others you will see that she is 22. And that is because we don't know if she was still alive before midnight. Because what time was she last seen? 9.30, and by 1.30, he is searching hottest fires. Yeah. Which isn't even as damning because Watakari Ranges is where her body will later be found. Okay, at 8 a.m., he sends a message to a girl on Tinder about setting up a date. Good. Good. And let's keep in mind here that when he sends this message, Grace is dead in his room. Then he went and bought a suitcase and cleaning supplies. Mm-hmm. A suitcase? Mm-hmm. No. No. Not a suitcase. Yeah. Okay. At 10 a.m., he sends a second message to the girl on Tinder to set up a place and time for that day. He rented a Toyota hatchback and parked it near the hotel and then headed out for his date. Okay. And this date, you guys. So, I watched... And read a lot of interviews with this with this woman, right? So so all the date information comes from her. So everything we know about the date comes from her. He does not share information about this date. She says that they chatted for about two weeks before deciding to meet up. And their conversation was always light and fun. She said that because he was Australian, they talked about Aussie things. She said he seemed to be a nice, normal guy. But five days before they were supposed to meet, he got really persistent. She said that he would text her, and if she didn't respond right away, he would ask her what was wrong. Red flag right there. Yep. 
And then he started trying to bring the meetup forward, which she had told him that she couldn't and that she was busy. Now, the morning that he texted her, his message to her, his first message to her was, good morning, how are you? And the second message said, it's fine if you don't want to go on a date. She messaged him back saying that she would meet up with him. Red flag. Mm -hmm. Red flag. They decided to meet at Revelry that afternoon, which was a popular bar. She said that he was very clean and well-groomed. She said that she started seeing red flags, though. The first one being his picture didn't quite match the one that was on his profile. It looked like he had put on a lot of weight. He had mentioned his job, but on the date, he mentioned a different job. They talked about their days, and he said he had gone shopping for a suitcase, but had trouble finding one big enough for all of his sports stuff. No, I am not okay. He was also asking her very personal questions. Now, I know that a lot of people will do this, and it's because it forces like an immediate sense of intimacy. So getting personal information or giving personal information is one way that some predators will try to force that intimacy faster and make people feel more comfortable with them. So red flag. He also talked about how all of his friends were police officers and said that his best friend was a crown court prosecutor. He said, and this is really weird, he said that they were having issues with bodies being buried in Watakari ranges and that police dogs can only smell four feet deep. So if the bodies were buried deeper than that, they would be unable to find them, which is very untrue, by the way. I don't, I don't know where he's getting his information from, but he also told her that it was crazy that a guy could make one mistake and go to jail for the rest of his life. He told her about a guy he knew that accidentally strangled his girlfriend during consensual sex and went to prison, but was able to get his charges down to manslaughter. When they parted ways, he said his car was this way, And her car was in the same direction, but she lied and said she was going the other way to try to get distance between them. By the way, all of that, red flags. Oh, 100%. For one thing, he's probably a little too young to be best friends with a crown prosecutor who is not going to be young. So I don't know about that. But so many, so many red flags. Um, If anyone's talking about a dead body... On your first date? Burying them in the woods and that scent dogs can't smell bodies buried under... Well, and in thinking about this date and this interaction, because he's setting red flags off all over the place, but on his date with Grace, he didn't do that. So what I'm thinking is that he is processing and hasn't... He's kind of freaking out and hasn't really figured out what he's going to do yet. And that's why he's saying really dumb shit right now. Yeah. So at like 5.45 that night, and we're still on December 2nd. Which, it might seem a little longer than that because he's had a busy day. Doing a lot of stuff. He rented a rug doctor to clean the carpet in his hotel room. Yep. Don't like that. He told them it was to clean a red wine stain. He went inside and got a trolley and went to his room. When he came back down, he had two suitcases on the trolley. Oh, God. One of them was the large suitcase he had purchased earlier that day. Yeah, and I will also post the video of this. Like, he, when he's in the elevator with the trolley and the two suitcases, he, like, adjusts the top suitcase a couple times because he's obviously, like, 
trying to hide the bigger suitcase, but yeah. obviously that's not going to hide it. But I think it's just a nervous thing. He loads them into the car that's parked nearby the car park. He also changes his clothes multiple times throughout the day, probably because he feels dirty. At 6.15, he is seen on camera leaving the hotel and driving off in the car. But on his way out of town, he stops to buy a shovel. Dear Lord. By December 5th, family and friends become concerned because they have not heard from Grace, and on her birthday, she didn't respond to anyone's birthday wishes, which is very unusual. So they're wondering, was she just hung over from celebrating? Maybe she doesn't have service. But real red flag was when within a few days, it was her brother's birthday and she didn't reach out to him at all. And her family knew she would never miss his birthday because the two were best friends. There had been no normal communication from her either. So the family filed a missing persons report. Police went to her hostel where they found all of her belongings except a necklace, watch, and her passport. Which she'd bring her passport to go drinking. She would have it on her. When interviewing her friends at the hostel, they learned that she had plans to go on a date the night that she went missing. So they check the CCTV footage. So on December 6th, the image of Grace leaving the hostel on the evening of December 1st starts the trail of discovering her whereabouts that night. Police interview Jesse after they see his message on her Facebook. You got yourself busted by posting on her Facebook. Tell us about Grace. Uh, so I was talking to Grace on Tinder. Yeah. Um, we'd matched on Friday. I saw that we'd matched um, the next day on the Saturday. Um, and then uh, we met at Sky City, and then we decided that we are going up to Andy's Burger Bar, um, which is on the first floor. Hmm. Whose idea was it to go to that particular burger place? Me. Because I knew... I didn't initially know that she was real. What do you mean? Well, there's a lot of... So, have you heard of catfish? No. So, catfishing is where... Someone uses your profile, uses your photos and pretends to be you and then meets and you're a completely different person. Right. Um, and it's on Tinder, it's all about the way you look. Um, and so if they use more endearing photos, um, you're more likely to swipe for them. Okay. Yeah. How does, a, how does meeting in a public place sort of protect you from meeting someone who's not as good looking as... Well, there's security there. So if she wasn't who she said she was... Yeah. Um, at least, in my mind, I'd feel safe. Right. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's us. Down there? Yep. Is that before or after? That is after. Okay. And where are you guys going now? So she's going that way. And I'm going across the street. Where do, where do you walk? Uh, I go down Queen Street. Uh, no, I go down Victoria Street, uh, straight down to the bottom, and then hang a left, and I head towards the viaduct. You go to the viaduct a bit? Uh, yeah. 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 You've, you've kind of walked in a bit of a funny direction if you were planning to go to the, the viaduct. 
Well, it's the direction I normally go. Yeah. It's um. I mean, I'm just sort of saying, like, if you were, if you were planning to go to the viaduct. I normally go down Queen Street and then cross at the bottom of Queen Street, go through the um, the containers, yeah. and then walk along oh, well. the wharf. Yeah. Is there a particular reason you were going to do that? Uh, I feel safer down that way. Um, I I don't know. I just it's a lot safer for me to be walking down that way. Yeah. Then walking down the back streets. Okay. He said that they parted ways around 10 p.m. and he had not seen her since. He gave police a fake address before they sent him on his way. On December 7, Grace's dad makes an emotional plea for help. And her mom was not there to assist in anything, the search, nothing, because she was home recovering from a breast cancer operation. Jesus Christ. I know. So on December 8th, the police announced that her disappearance is being treated as a homicide. Jesse Kempson is taken into custody at 3 p.m. Right, and he sticks to his story up until the moment where they confront him with the CCTV footage of them going up to his hotel room. Like, did he not think they were going to find that? And this is when his story will change. And I will warn you, this really makes me mad. So, trigger warning you're probably going to be pissed off here soon. His story then becomes that he killed her on accident during rough sex. And he says that she had asked him to choke her. And he said they were both quite drunk. I don't think so, Jesse. I have lots of issues with your story, but we will talk about that later. And if you go and look at the video of the interview, I'll post that as well. His face is blurred out because he wasn't named until much later. And... I will tell you the story does get more infuriating. All right. So he said that it was all her idea, that she had brought up the book Fifty Shades of Grey. His story was that after sex, he went to shower and then went back to bed and woke up in the morning to find her in bed with blood coming from her nose. So you're telling me that she strangled her during sex, didn't realize that she didn't move after you were done. Weird that at 1.30 you were searching... Porn. Not only porn, but rigor mortis and other things like that. Sorry, no. No, no, no. No, no, no. Then he claimed that Grace had learned BDSM from a former boyfriend and that she had asked him to choke her during sex. And I will say, so the BDSM thing with the previous boyfriend is true. But that does not mean that she was into violence or being murdered. And if this is something that she actually was interested in, if this was something that she actually did like, then more than likely she would know her limits and she would have safe words set up. She would have different things in place if this was something she actually practiced, which it sounds like it was. Still doesn't add up, buddy. It's not adding up. Just because she's into BDSM doesn't, no, that doesn't. That doesn't mean she's into being murdered. Yeah. There are two different things in case you didn't know. He said that he sobbed and vomited while putting her body into the suitcase. Was that before or after you went out on your date? Just curious. He also claimed that he tried to overdose on his own medication. I wonder if that was before or after his date. He said that he dialed 111, which is the 911 equivalent there, 
But he didn't push send because he was scared at how bad it looked. The detective asked him why he thought it looked bad, and he said, because there was a dead person in his hotel room, of course. He also admitted to dumping her clothes and purse in a rubbish bin in Alberta Park. And I'm going to play the second part of the interview here. I'm telling you, that bag is still in my room. What's in it? Nothing. Nothing's in it. What was in it then? Nothing. Where did it come from? The warehouse. Which warehouse? Uh, Atrium. When did you buy it? That day, because I was going to have to move all my stuff out. I, I, I told you. Okay, no, no. That's not the case. Right? You've told him, you've told him, you've told a lie. What, what do you it's mean? It's a big mistruth. Um, I went to the warehouse at the atrium. Um, and brought a suitcase. Um, I went back and I was just in shock um, because it just didn't seem right. I left to go and get cleaning products. Um, so I messaged a friend and said, I'll meet you at Revelry. Um, after, after finishing drinks with, with her, I got back to um, city life. And all the time I just kept saying, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I went downstairs and I grabbed the, the porter thing. And I put the suitcase on top of the porter thing. I drove the hire car into Wilson's car park and parked it. I woke up the next day at about 5am and drove the car out to Cumu at first. I picked up a, a shovel from ITM at Cumu. Um, I ended up driving towards the Waitakeries. Um, I went into the bush. I dug a hole. I went and got the suitcase. And I covered the hole. And then I drove. Where, where is her possessions? Um, I threw them in the rubbish. Whereabouts? Um, Albert Park rubbish. Right, so what items of her property have been disposed of in Albert Park? Um, everything. All of it, her clothing? Everything that was in the room. Right. Whereabouts did you clean the car, the outside of the car? Um, I think it was in Henderson. I, I don't know West very well. Okay. And what did you use to clean the car? Um, a water blaster thing from the car cleaning place. Did she have any injuries? Not that I can remember. I was just panicking. 
Did you inflict any injuries on her that caused her to die? Uh, no. Did you kill Grace Mullane? No. Okay. And you're under arrest for the murder of Grace Mullane on or about the 2nd of December. Okay. You understand? Yeah. Did you intend to cause her death? No. Are you ready to take us to where she is? Yeah. And on December 9, around 4 p.m., police find the body of Grace off of Scenic Drive in the Whitehawkery Ranges, about 19 kilometers or 12 miles west of central Auckland. And if you remember, the Whitehawkery Ranges was one of Jesse's searches at 1.30 a.m. But remember, he claims he didn't even know she was dead until the next morning or later in the morning. Yeah, then why are you searching all these things at uh, 1.30 in the morning, buddy? I don't know. What are you doing? And as we know by now, her body was stuffed into a suitcase. Her blood alcohol level was measured at 106 milligrams of alcohol per 100 milliliters of blood, well over the legal limit of 50 milligrams per 100 milliliters. So, I mean, that's double. Yeah. Double the legal, like, driving limit. Which isn't, I've seen a lot higher, actually. Her cause of death was strangulation and asphyxiation. There were bruises on her arms, kind of like she had been restrained. There was also a bruise from her jaw that went all the way down her neck. And I believe Jesse is the one that led investigators to the suitcase. Because in one of the interviews, they ask him if he will take them to where she's at. And he says he will. But none of the reports actually say that he's the one that led them, but they talk about it in the interview. Maybe he just told them. Either way, yeah. On December 10th, Jesse Kempson appears in court charged with her murder. Naturally. Mm -hmm. On December 11th, police ask for public help finding a shovel they believe is related to the killing, along with the movement of the rental car that Jesse had rented. Right, and so I think this comes down to... All of the CCTV footage probably that they were able to locate on him is probably from the police asking public, hey, check your camera, see if you can find this rental car, because there's a ton of footage of him moving around in the days following Mm -hmm. her death. Yeah. The car had been re-released, but... Yeah, so like rented out to somebody new. Why would they do that? Well, because it wasn't... It wasn't subject to a murder investigation when somebody else rented it out. Oh, yeah. But it was found in Topo, so about 275 kilometers south of Auckland. And the shovel was found on December 13th. And wouldn't you know it, it was found at the car wash that Jesse had visited to clean his rental car. Yeah, and who cleans a rental car? I'm sorry, you are a straight-up murderer if you go and clean your rental car before you take it back. Yeah, they literally literally. When Maddie and I returned our last rental car, it was covered in dust. It was covered sand. in sand. <laughs> I mean, we got everything out, like all the garbage, like you're supposed to. Like, we obviously didn't trash the rental But car. we sure as hell did not take it to a car wash and deep clean the inside and outside no, of the car. don't they? They do that. They do that. That's what they do. And side note, if you see somebody doing this with a rental car, call 911. Better yet. I have a better one. 
if you work at a rental car place and someone returns a car that is absolutely spotless, like it looks like no one drove that car. It smells like cleaner and the trunk and outside of the car are washed. Call 911, please. Yeah. So in 2019, on November 4, the murder trial begins in Auckland. A court order suppressing the killer's name is issued and would not be lifted until after the trial. So if you watch any footage or read any articles on this case that were published before, I think like 2020 or 2021, his name is not in any of them. Yeah, just in case he was innocent. It's yeah. smart. It's and, smart. And his his face is blurred in all of the footage if you look at it, the older footage that was released. So evidence was presented that he took photos, oh God, this, of Grace, including close-ups and even manipulated her body. And he claimed that he took these pictures of her when she was alive. But a lot of people don't think so. They are very inappropriate pictures. Yeah. And he claims that she also took pictures of him as well, but we don't have her phone to confirm that. One issue that I do have with this is... They just met. And I think no matter how comfortable you are, I think going to somebody's hotel room and doing what you do is very different than allowing somebody to take very intimate pictures of you on their phone. Very close up intimate right. photos. So I'm calling bullshit on that one. But he claims that she was alive during all the pictures. I don't believe it. The prosecutor didn't believe it. I don't know. So we're going to talk about the defense's case a little bit, and I would like to start by saying this lawyer had to come up with some defense, and this is what they came up with, and it disgusts me, but that's where we're at. So here you go. Good. I'm glad I get to read this. <laughs> okay, so the defense would claim that Grace had died as a result of rough sex gone wrong, and he called it a sexual misadventure. Barf. That, like, makes my blood boil. No. No. Okay. They brought forth evidence that Grace was, in fact, part of some BDSM website. Which we already knew because her ex-boyfriend also testified and came forward saying that. And like most people who practice BDSM, they had a system to be safe. Right. So the boyfriend actually testified that they did practice it, but they also had a safe word and they had a system in place. To me, this strengthens that the accident was unlikely because she was experienced, she would have laid ground rules for herself. 100%. I don't understand why the BDSM is playing such a big role in this. I think because it's the only thing the defense has. Because if they were doing BDSM and they were doing consensual choking during sex, right, then they're trying to say he's only guilty of manslaughter. He's not guilty of murder. It was an accident. There was no ill intent. It changes his defense. They also argued that the pair had consumed around 25 beverages between the two of them, and this could have led to her state of being, you know, drunk and not putting in a safe word or not laying ground rules down for herself. Right, and right. like, So the prosecutor also presented evidence of a cleanup, right? So there are photos with Luminol that show there was blood everywhere. Yeah. On the carpet, on the walls, it was everywhere. If Grace had a little bloody nose from this, that would not happen. So, and we'll post a picture of this picture as well. But 
This is all on the ground, on the carpet, on the wall next to his bed. He rented a carpet cleaner. Right. Yeah, and if her cause of death was strangulation and asphyxiation, that is not going to create blood all over the place, even with a nosebleed. And it's not going to be on the wall. So another woman on Tinder came forward and shared a string of messages that he had sent her regarding his sexual preferences, which from what I can gather includes dominating, choking, and he said it makes him feel more superior and in control. And you guys, he showed absolutely no remorse and at one point even yelled at the judge, you have no reason to convict me. You're full of shit, mate. You have no reason to convict me. You're full of shit, mate. Pretty much. Yep. That's what he yelled. Yep. Yelled that in court. Yeah. Yeah. He's Australian, right? Yeah. So the jury also got to hear about his stories of having cancer and being a professional athlete. He was a professional athlete? No, he was not. <laughs> did he have cancer? No, he did not. <laughs> they also heard that his parents had died. They also Did his parents die? No, they did not. And about his many professional accomplishments. So he doesn't have any professional accomplishments. Right. In reality, he had actually recently been sacked from his job shortly before murdering Grace. What was he? Like a salesman. Mm. I don't know what he was selling, but... Obviously wasn't very good at it. He definitely wasn't like an oil rig manager or anything <laughs> like that. He was just... Oh, God. This is where I feel like his argument falls apart a little bit. The Emmy, of course, would say that it took her between five and ten minutes to die this way. And that if the pressure had been released at any time, then she would have been fine. It would have taken consistent, tremendous pressure in order to kill her. It, I just don't think it takes so much pressure to actually strangle somebody to death. Well, and not only that, but she would have lost consciousness long before she died. So that would have immediately told him that something was wrong. Yeah, um, because, you know, I, you're, you're having sex with someone, you're choking them, and then all of a sudden they pass out and you're just like, oh. Red, red flag. Let me continue to keep my hands around your throat so aggressively that it kills you. Right, which he would have had to do. Yes. You look at that and you also look at the bruising on her arms and chest, which are consistent with somebody being pinned down. I just I just don't see how this could be a legitimate argument. But in case you didn't know, this argument is actually used all the time. And a lot of people get their charges reduced to manslaughter using this exact argument. But there are actually organizations out there that are trying to make it illegal to use that as your... Defense? Your defense, yeah. So the jury was comprised of seven women, five men, and they found him guilty on November 22nd after only five hours of deliberation. I really hope someone walked in there and was like, this isn't how it works. This... I would, guess, what happens. I would guess somebody on that jury probably knew that that's not how it worked. I thought that that was a very common thing. Is it not? It is. It's very common, yeah. Because I, I feel like that's ridiculous that people can get away with saying that. Exactly. That's why there are so many people fighting to prevent that from being allowed. I just thought that was like because a- regardless of what a woman consents to during sex, she does not consent to, to being killed. Being murdered. Exactly. And you have to pass out, fully pass out. Once you lose consciousness... You are no longer consenting to anything. On November 22, Jesse was convicted of murder. 
Members of the jury, have you reached the unanimous verdict that is one on which all 12 of you agree on charge or on the charge of murder? We have. Do you find the defendant guilty or not guilty? Guilty. And are you all agreed, members of the jury? Yes. Thank you, Madam Foreman. Madam Foreman, if this jury, having found you guilty of the murder of Grace Emmy Rose Mullane, you are convicted and he was sentenced to life with a non-parole period of 17 years to run concurrently with the other two sentences of 11 years that he received. And those are for other sexual offenses. Other sexual offenses? Like on her? No, on other people. (laughs) What? Yeah, so one of them was on an ex-girlfriend who he had stalked and abused, and the other one was on a date that he had raped in the same hotel room from Tinder. So he appealed, of course, and his appeals would be dismissed. But get this, taxpayers paid a total of $400,000 for his legal defense. Grace's parents, Jillian and David, addressed the press after the verdict. Ladies and gentlemen. (sighs) The verdict of murder today would be welcomed by every member of the Belaine family and friends of Grace. It will not reduce the pain, the suffering that we've had to endure for over the past year. Can't see it. Grace was taken away from us in the most brutal fashion a year ago, and our lives have been and family have been ripped apart. This will be with us for the rest of our lives. Grace was a beautiful, talented, loving daughter. Grace was our sunshine, and she will be missed forever. She did not deserve to be murdered in such a barbaric way. We must return home and try and pick up the pieces of our lives and day to day with our beloved Grace. Thank you all. So that video breaks my heart a little bit. I can't imagine what these parents went through sitting in a court of law, listening to this little weasel lie his ass off. Yeah. I can't. On December 22, the suppression order was lifted and the killer's name was finally released. Imagine the shock factor. People had already figured some of it out, but they were unable to print it. Like you actually get fined and sued if you print the name when there is a suppression order. So the media, long before it was released, knew who he was, but they couldn't say it. Jesse Kempson was born and grew up in the Wellington region. After his parents were separated when he was nine, he was raised by his father and grandfather. Kempson played softball in college. He worked as a bartender and a builder, laborer, And he also lived in Sydney, Australia between 2013 and 2016. So fun stuff. He was no exciting job. Never, never did any things he said he did. Mm -hmm. And his parents aren't dead. So Kempson was estranged from his family. He also had a drunk driving conviction in New Zealand and had been arrested for disorderly behavior in Auckland and Sydney. What is disorderly behavior? What can usually be? usually it's getting drunk in public and creating some sort of disturbance, getting into a fight, 
breaking something. Yeah, that's just how much you have to drink to do something to get arrested for disorderly behavior. Uh, well, I mean, think about how much he drank on this particular date. I mean, so some past issues with his character. So eight months prior to his date with Grace, he had taken another British tourist out on a Tinder date before bringing her back to his Auckland motel room where they had drinks and talked. She told him that she didn't want to have sex, and that is when he raped her. She said she did not report the rape until after he was arrested because she was terrified. So in another trial, he had been convicted of terrorizing his live-in girlfriend over a period of months. And these are his other two convictions that he was sentenced for. He had violently assaulted her and threatened her with a butcher knife. Cool. And he had forced her to commit humiliating sexual acts. And he told her that he sent uh, he was sent by the CIA to kill her. Yeah, seriously. So that makes a whole lot of sense. He was convicted of sexual violation on both of these cases. Yep. So obviously, he terrorized a lot of people. So when we talk about these dating apps, I mean, I would just urge everybody to be super careful and cautious and... You can't trust anybody? You can't trust anybody because Grace was a sensible person and she was completely misled by his charm. It's terrifying too because like it's not even... It's obviously anybody. We've talked about this before. You know, you can't really trust anybody anywhere at all. Mm -hmm. But dating apps is just another place for predators to hunt. Or for dishonest people and dangerous people to pretend like they're normal. Yep, also that. Um, like, Grace could have met him, this could have met Jesse at just a bar somewhere, and they could have had the same exact outcome of the entire situation. I agree with that to a certain degree, but here's my issue, is she was able to feel like she knew him because yeah. they talked online. over and over again online. They had sent messages back and forth. They had been chatting. She felt like she knew him because she had this false sense Of security. Yeah, Yeah. because she had interaction with him on the set before, where if she had just met him in the bar that night, she probably wouldn't have felt comfortable enough to go back to his hotel room. But we don't know. We don't know exactly, but dating apps are just scary. Just You just have to really be careful. Yeah. And then I wanted to play part of her mom's testimony because that really says it the best. You took it upon yourself to murder my beautiful Grace an innocent young lady. On a daily basis, I torment myself over what you did to my grace. The terror and pain he must have experienced at your hands. As a mother, I would have done anything to change places with her. I sit full of guilt, knowing I couldn't help her. But I should have been there. She died terrified and alone in a room with you. Your barbaric actions towards my grace is beyond comprehension. No life sentence you receive today will match the life sentence without my grace. But I will do my utmost to ensure that no other family needs to go through what we have endured. 
you have ripped a hole in my heart, one that will never be repaired. You walked into our lives and destroyed grace in the pursuit of your own sexual gratification. Now my family will never be the same. That was heartbreaking. That's all I have to say about that. And her big brother, Declan, posted heartfelt notes to his sister where he quoted the 1940 song by Jimmy Davis, You Are My Sunshine. Hmm. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I can't handle it. So on January 10th, 2019, hundreds turned out to Grace's funeral in Essex. Yeah, I, it's she's just so young. It's so sad. I can't even handle it. One thing, the... And I talked about this a little bit earlier about the different organizations, but one bill that was passed was the Domestic Abuse Bill, which bans the rough sex defense in the UK. So this bill makes the defense unacceptable in a murder trial. This defense has been used so many times and usually results in manslaughter with a reduced sentence. So in the UK, the rough sex defense is no longer acceptable. Good. Good. It should be unacceptable everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. It, it doesn't even make sense that you're passed out. You can't consent. It's so terrifying what can happen when you're being safe. I mean, they are in public, on camera, on mm-hmm. CCTV, all over the place. I am sure at no point was Grace like, oh, he might murder me because. Yeah. She said we click so well in a message to her friend. I know. I know. Now. Rather or not, Jesse set out to murder Grace on this day. I don't know for sure. Yeah, we don't because know. I feel like they were in public. They were on camera. They were all over the place. He put a message on her Facebook. He was not trying to hide the fact that he was with her. Like he had to know that it was going to come out. And I don't think that he didn't notice that she had died. I think that maybe in the moment, Something snapped and he decided to take it too far. But either way, his actions afterward make him guilty, period. Um, Going over to our bunker talk, we might do some yelling. I'm not quite sure. You can hear. Yeah, Maddie and I have some more to say about I got some, this. I got some <laughs> shit to say, man. I got some, I got some stuff to say. So, yeah, uh, pop on over there if you want to hear more. We also... If you want to hear me angry. If you want to hear Maddie angry. Oh, if you haven't checked out our merchandise, go and check that out. There are fanny packs and sweatshirts and all sorts of fun stuff. Also, we're going to have a contest coming out soon to win some stuff. So keep an eye out for that. And yeah, let us know what you think of this case, but please be respectful in your opinions and your responses to other people. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thanks guys. And we will talk to you later. Bye. Like, Hey, um, I think my favorite was, wasn't there a girl that said something to you when shed hit on you at the gym what she just assumed was some gym junkie hitting on you at the gym oh yeah to get him to stop hitting <laughs> the, on yeah you. so so one time i was at the gym with shed and 
we were hanging out and he just like kind of walked up and like said something like probably about my ass or something. I don't really remember, but he kind of like talked to me for a second and I pulled out one of my earbuds and was listening to him. And then I was like, I'm trying to work out, like go leave me alone, go away, whatever. And then I put my earbud back in and then this girl comes up and she like starts talking to me and she kind of like walks away. And we think that she thought he was, like, bugging me at the gym. Yes. And so she, like, stepped in to, like, try to get rid of him. <laughs> Which is so good. So good. It's yeah. perfect. That's exactly what you should do because worst case scenario, what is that person going to do? Oh, yeah, no, that's my boyfriend. Oh, that's my girlfriend. And then and they're going to think it's funny. And then it's funny. And also, I definitely told a girl that her pants were on inside out the other day because she had this really long, you know, like the Lululemon tags? Mm-hmm this really long tag hanging out the back of her pants because she had them on inside out. And I walked up behind her and she had been like, when I approached her, she told me she had been at the gym for like a half hour already. So, and our gym is busy. So I walk up behind her and I'm like, Hey, just so you know, you have a really long tag sticking out. Your pants are inside out. And she's like, what? And she's like reaching back for it. And I'm like, those tags, you just rip it off, just rip it off. And she's like, oh my gosh. And she like rips it off. And then she's like, thanks for telling me. Like <laughs> nobody, I've been, here, I've been here for like a half hour. <laughs> it's like, I was like, I was like, we gotta watch out for each other, man. Like if my pants are on inside out, I want to know. Someone better go to tell me somebody, that my pants are. Somebody please, for the love of God, tell me my pants are on inside out. Like what the hell? Madison's playing with her Han Solo bobblehead right now. And I'm about to take Han it away from Solo. her. This is not Han Solo. Oh, who is it? Han Solo is a character, though. So you are correct. Han Solo is this character's dad. Okay, so I was close. <laughs> be, I, I will accept it's it. It's literally the only character I knew. <laughs> and so this is Ben Solo. Ben but Solo. He's okay. Kylo Ren through most of the movies and doesn't. Okay. This, ben Solo is like when he's good. That's why he, he has a blue lightsaber now. He's like, this is when he's good. Okay. So but he's I don't, a bad guy. I don't know Star Wars, not like Maddie. I, I've seen the the old yeah. movies, but I haven't seen the new ones. Yeah, the new ones are good. I like the yeah, new ones. I'm sure I like I like all of them though. I don't really 